this morning in our series, Walking Through the Gospel of John, we're going to look at John chapter 8, and we're going to call this message, Living in the Light. How many like living in the light? Thank God we haven't got to live in the darkness. You know, if this room went into darkness right now, we'd start panicking a little bit. It's a joy, isn't it, to live in the light? And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, living in the light. And as we'll see in John chapter 8, that this chapter is a continuation of John chapter 7, where Jesus was teaching in the temple at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And we looked, if you remember, at John chapter 7 last week, and we saw how John remembered how Jerusalem would have been filled with tens of thousands of people all camping out in their little tent-like shelters to remember the nomadic way in which their forefathers had lived in the wilderness for 40 years. Do you remember when God set His people free from Egypt through that great deliverer Moses? They'd been slaves for over 400 years. Can you believe that? Under the taskmasters of Egypt, living as slaves, bound by Egypt. But when the time came, God set His people free, led them through a sea, and then they went on a journey through the wilderness for 40 years. And over that time, God was faithful to them. God provided for them. And I believe it was in Leviticus 23, as a sign of their gratitude to God, God called them to institute a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles, and they were to remember His goodness, remember His faithful care to them through this feast. And that's what they did as they celebrated this Feast of Tabernacles. For a whole seven days, they lived in their little tent-like shelters, commemorating and honoring God who had been faithful to them in or faithful to their forefathers in those wilderness years. And also, as they celebrated, we saw that the priest every day would pour out water at the temple, around the altar, to symbolize how God provided water from the rock that followed them. Imagine that. A rock followed this people. There were no water sources in the wilderness. I remember Paul taking us, uh, when he took us to Israel, we went into the wilderness. And I, I, I was amazed at how dry and arid that desert was as I looked out on miles and miles and miles of desert. And bef under my feet was flint, flinty rock everywhere. I picked it up. I couldn't believe it. Flinty rock everywhere, just like the Bible substantiates. And in the Old Testament, you can read it. It says that God poured water and brought water from the flinty rock. And there I was when we went on that trip into the wilderness, standing with flinty rock all around. And the priest, over the week, where they would celebrate that Feast of Tabernacles would, would take water up in his golden pitcher from the pool of Siloam and then walk back to the temple through the water gate. And there would be thousands, tens of thousands of people surrounding him, all praising God. And as he lifted his pitcher up to the shouts of praise before God's people and poured it out, he would be commemorating as they would how God had provided water from the rock, which was Christ Jesus, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, how He provided water from the rock in the wilderness. And it was at this time on the last and greatest day, John tells us in John chapter 7, when Jesus said these words, right after the priest had poured that last pitcher of water before all of the people, Jesus stood up and in a, in a loud voice, 
He said in John 7, 37 to verse 38, and we looked at this last week, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus was declaring on that day that He was the fulfillment of the feast that they were celebrating and the end of all thirst. Now, after Jesus uses the priest's action of pouring water at the altar to reveal that He had come to satisfy all of mankind's thirst, John also remembered, as we'll see, in John chapter 8, how Jesus takes up another symbol from this Feast of Tabernacles that was performed every evening. So, Jesus takes up the symbol of pouring water that the priest did every morning and, and embodies that as He proclaims His Word to them that He is the living water so that no man would ever thirst. And now in John chapter 8, John remembers how Jesus takes hold of another symbolic act within this feast that happened every evening in the Feast of Tabernacles. During every evening, over the course of their celebrations, as the nighttime drew in and darkness came over that great city, Jerusalem, four gigantic candelabras standing 75 feet high were lit every night to gloriously light up the temple court and the city of Jerusalem. Throughout the week of these celebrations, these candelabras burned brightly, shedding their light over the city, and the people would praise God under the light of the candelabras. The people would sing their songs of joy as again they remembered how God had gloriously appeared to His people in a cloud of Shekinah glory by day and a pillar of fire by night. For 40 years, He had led them that way. In the darkness, in the blackness of the wilderness, where there was no light, God was their light to them. These faithful people of God, as they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, every evening under the cover of darkness, they lit those four gigantic candelabras. And the flames from them, lit the sky and expelled the darkness around them. It was to commemorate the goodness of God. It was to commemorate that God was the light in their darkness and the light in their lives. Also, the illuminating light of the candelabra spoke of their prophetic hope as they held to God's promise to send His light through the coming Messiah, who would deliver them from darkness and the despair of life. Scriptures like Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 were exclaimed aloud, imagine this, under the illumination of those candelabras. Scriptures were exclaimed aloud by the people like we find in Isaiah 9 verse 2, the people, they would say, who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And it was in this background that Jesus identified Himself to be the inextinguishable Shekinah glory of God, the light of the world for all who would follow Him. Listen to Jesus' words as John reminds us of them in John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, He's still in the temple. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus' timing was perfect in this moment 
Because as the Feast of Tabernacles was finishing and was at the last and greatest day, and the light of the candelabras were being extinguished, Jesus revealed that He is the light that can never be extinguished. The light of the world, the light of our lives as we follow Him. You and I will never walk in darkness. Never ever. Because we have Jesus, the light of life. What a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to follow Him. What a privilege it is to know that even though darkness may come, and there may be times where it seems as if we're walking blindly, we know that as we follow Him, our path will be lit, and we will never walk in darkness ever again. Now, for the remaining time that we have this morning, to help us understand a little better what Jesus is saying to us through this verse in John chapter 8, I want us to look at four points about Jesus being our light to encourage our hearts and to strengthen our lives. The first point we're going to make is an obvious one, but so vitally important to know in life and to believe every day. And it's this, Jesus as our light dispels darkness. Now, that's an obvious point. Jesus as our light dispels darkness. Just like light dispels darkness, Jesus can be the light of your life to dispel all darkness. When Jesus said, I am the light of the world, just like we see the active power of light dispelling darkness every day in a physical way, Jesus uses the same imagery to promise that He will be our light of life so that we never walk in spiritual darkness. No aspect of life ever has to confuse us. No aspect of life or living ever has to belittle us ever again because Christ Jesus promises us that as we follow Him, we will have, we will have the light of life. When sudden changes come, as they do, when circumstances darken our path and try to hinder our walk, when the way ahead isn't so clear, we have light, the light of life, to dispel any and every form of darkness. King David testified of this in Psalm 27. Trouble, when you look at the psalm, trouble was on the horizon for David. Things were going on around him that were causing his life to be extremely unstable. And from the psalm, you pick up that David was very aware of the advance of an enemy, the presence of a, of a hostile force coming against him. Yet, instead of being afraid, hiding away, and throwing the blankets over his head and refusing to get up, we see that David in this psalm has an incredible confidence, an incredible spirit to meet that dark time in his life. And he did so because the Lord, he says, is my light. David had confidence to meet the circumstances that faced him in life that seemed to tower over him. He had confidence because the Lord was his light. That's what he tells us in Psalm 27 verse 1. Let me read it to you. He says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, whom 
shall I be afraid? When the Lord is your light, you'll see Him as your Savior. When the Lord is your light, as you see Him as your Savior and Deliverer, you will have nothing to fear. When the Lord is your light, not only will you see Him as your salvation and you'll have nothing to fear, you'll also realize that He's your stronghold, your tower of strength and refuge. So you'll never have to be afraid when the Lord is your light and you're following Jesus, I'm following Jesus, you and I have the light of life. So we never have to be afraid ever again, ever again. We never have to be afraid or worried about the future when the Lord is our light. You see, when the Lord is your light, you no longer see what you're seeing in the way that you once saw it. You see all of the troubling circumstances that are queuing up to meet you in the light of how God sees them. And that makes a huge difference. Living in His light. When the Lord has become your light, it makes a huge difference how you live life and how you face circumstances and how you face the problems sometimes that seek to tower over you and control you. David didn't deny that trouble was on the horizon, but he wasn't belittled by it. He was bursting with confidence in perplexing in a perplexing time of life. David wasn't retreating or backing away. He was strong and confident in God because with the Lord as his light, he could see the size of his circumstance in comparison to the size of God. Hallelujah. When the Lord is your light, you'll correctly assess. You'll measure things differently. You won't panic. You won't be afraid. All of your measuring, all of the processes of thinking, all of your evaluation and the conclusions that you come to will be as a result of the Lord. Enlightening you in relation to the circumstances that you face. We all at times in life have pressing circumstances. We all at times have issues in life that seek to control and seek to steer us. And we can come easily to the wrong conclusions about those sets of circumstances that come our way. We can get weighed down. We can be afraid. We can get stressed out. But when the Lord is our light, you see, we're not denying that those circumstances aren't very real. But our process of evaluation in relation to those circumstances is very different to those that don't have the Lord illuminating their, their way. The Lord's your light. Never forget that. The Lord is your light over that situation in your home. The Lord is your light over that perplexing circumstance that won't go away. The Lord is your light in that job where things are getting difficult and tough. The Lord is your light in your, 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 your business, in your workplace, where there's been changes that have happened that are outside your control. The Lord's your light. The Lord's your light. You're not on your own to deal with these situations just from your, your own reason and, and through your, your own experience of things or, or from the advice that other people give you. No, the Lord is your light. The Lord is your light when things are going wrong. The Lord is your light and things are going to change because the Lord is your light and He's going to bring you through strong. You're not going to fear anything because He's your light. It's wonderful, isn't it? It really is. 
things might not change immediately. They never do. You can't pick your Bible up and wave it like a magic wand. No, things might not change immediately. But what you see and how you see it will. Because the Lord is your light. And that puts everything into correct perspective. And that's what David had in Psalm 27. He had a heck of a lot of problems. He had a, a very real enemy on the horizon, but he had a correct perspective in relation to what was facing him because the Lord was his light. Let's say it together. Hallelujah. Come on, say it again. The Lord is my light. Again, the Lord is my light. And again, the Lord is my light. Hallelujah. Circumstance is not your light. That issue that's stubborn, that won't go away, that's not your light. No, the Lord is your light. You don't have to ever be afraid. So that's the first point right there. Jesus, as our light, dispels darkness. Simple point, simple message, but highly effective for the challenges and the stresses of every day. Thank God, Jesus dispels the darkness of life, and He's our light in this life. Now, as a second point, I want us to think about, after we, we thought about how Jesus, as the light dispels our darkness, I want to think us to think about how Jesus as our light transforms reality. Have you ever noticed how darkness distorts reality, but how light transforms it? It's really amazing, really, how light does this. Darkness distorts reality, but light instantaneously transforms it. And I've got a, a funny little story to tell about how this once happened in my life. Late one night, I decided to be spiritual. I thought, I don't know if you've ever had moments like this, but I've had moments like this. I thought, I am going to pray all night, bless God. And the night time is the most spiritual time to pray. I'm going to pray all, the, all night maybe till daybreak. I haven't yet done it, unfortunately. But my intention when I start is good. I got good intentions, but lots of times I can't fulfill the intentions that I have. But this night, I was feeling extra spiritual, and I thought, it's nighttime. I'm going to pray all night. I've readied myself. Faye went to bed. And to be, to be super spiritual, I thought, I'm going to pray with the lights off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not praying with those lights on, boy. God is nearer to me when those lights are off. I am going to pray with the lights off. And who knows what's going to happen, but me and the Lord are going to have a fantastic time all the way through the night until daybreak comes. Well, I think I got down on my knees for extra points. You know what it's like? Extra points. Put my hands together. And I started praying. Thank you, Lord. The way you do. In the darkness. And then in the corner of my eye, I saw a figure sitting on the sofa. And I turned my head, and there it was, a figure, the outline of a figure on the sofa. I'm thinking, my God, what's going on here? I'm telling you, fear. I, I was gripped with fear. Cold sweats all the way down my body. I couldn't believe it. I was shaking. I thought, my God, what is this? Five minutes in, figure sat 
on the sofa, panicking. I went towards the light, turned the light on, and there it was, one of the girl's dolls, sat on the sofa that they had left there that I didn't notice when I had started to pray, but when the lights went out and I looked in the corner of my eye, all I saw was this strange form which I thought was from the pit of hell itself. I was panicking in fear, but when the light came on, my reality was transformed. Do you know, when I, when I was in Bible school in South Africa, I had delusions of grandeur. I thought that I was going to be this world-shaking, demon-crushing, giant-slaying preacher. And here I am in a dark room, afraid of a doll. <laughs> Couldn't pray. I'd wanted to pray all night, and that stupid doll in the darkness, which I thought had come from the underworld, interrupted my prayer, and that was it. I, could, I couldn't do it anymore. After five minutes, that was it. I decided to go up to bed and go to sleep. But there's a simple point, isn't there, in that? Darkness distorts reality, but light instantaneously transforms it. Light instantaneously transforms the darkness and expels it and dispels it. My mind was reaching all kinds of crazy conclusions as I looked at that strange figure sat on my sofa in the darkness, but the moment the light came on, all my fears were dispelled. All my fears were gone in the presence of the light. Light had transformed my reality. You see, darkness is powerless in the presence of light. Sometimes there can be areas of our life, and I can hold my two hands up to tell you that I've experienced this. There can be areas in our life where our mind is held and kept in darkness. We, you, you know it like I do. You can be held by fear. You can be held by insecurity. You can, you can be held by all manner of things that are in your mind that are not real. They're not real. They don't exist. But in the, under, under the shadow of darkness, they seem to be such a powerful, strong reality in your life. When that happens, do you know what you need? Light. Light, light will transform your reality, and it will dispel the darkness, and you will see as you are to see. You know, I believe it was Joyce Mayer that once used this powerful analogy about fear, and you probably know it. And it was an acronym. Each word, each letter of fear she used as a word, fear represents, she said, false expectations appearing real. Many of our fears are just simply false expectations that appear very real. But in the presence of light, all of those false expectations that appear so real are expelled instantaneously. They really are. They really are. And that's what God wants to do for all of our lives. He wants us to live in the light of life so that we can live in the fullness of His life, so that we can live in the fullness of the blessed life that He's gifted us with. He doesn't want any area of our lives to be under darkness, especially areas in our mind and in our personalities. He wants to shed the light on them, so growth and development and renewal and transformation can come. In Psalm 34, on another occasion, David talked about such a time in his life when he was battling 
with inner thoughts that were trying to overcome him. And the darkness of his circumstances were convincing him that he was alone and powerless. And that darkness that David faced in Psalm 34 was distorting the reality of his revelation of God. And that's what irrational fear does. They try to distort the reality of the revelation that God has given us to live in, the revelation of His Word. Well, Dave, you know, David was an incredible man, an incredible king. He really was. And David knew what to do in times of darkness. David knew how to turn the light on when life got dark and was bearing down on him. Listen to how he turns the light on in Psalm 34. You know it well, verse 1 through to verse 5. He says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. As you have joined with Jeff and the team this morning, and as we have sang our praises to God, what's happened? We've turned the light on. Darkness may have been trying to attack you. Darkness may have been trying to assail you. Darkness may have been trying to keep you down, but you're here in the house of God, prioritizing time with the people of God. And what's happened? Light has been diffused in your life, and darkness has been dispelled. When the praises of God are in the mouth of God's people, and we praise Him continually, we're turning the light on. And when you turn the light on, instantaneously, darkness has to leave. It's expelled. I will bless the Lord at all times, he says. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify. I tell you now, when you magnify God and you exalt His name, you're exalting the light and the countenance of His life in your life. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord. And he heard me. And what happened when he sought the Lord? What happened when he continually praised God and magnified his name? He says, he delivered me from all my fears. How about being delivered from every fear that's tried to hold you back? How about being delivered and, and never wearing any of those old clothes again of insecurity, any of those old clothes again that remind you of a past that you cannot change? How about being delivered from every single fear and not ever carrying one again into your future? That's what the power of God can do. That's what the power of light does do. It expels every fear, and it enables us to live free in this life and be a blessing to everybody that we meet. I sought the Lord, and He heard me. Hallelujah! He hears you. He hears you, child of God. Your voice matters. Your prayers matter. Even if it's only for five minutes in a dark room, He hears it. He hears it, and he takes it up. They looked to him and were radiant. What does that mean? It means that there was light in their radiance. Why? Because there was light in their life. Praising God turns the light on. Hallelujah. Continually blessing God with the words of your mouth. It turns the light on in the darkness. And their faces were not ashamed. That's how you turn the light on in a dark situation. And that's how Jesus becomes the light of our life amidst any dark attack that would try to hold us back. So we've said, firstly, that Jesus as our light expels darkness. Then secondly, Jesus as our light transforms our reality. And now, thirdly, I want us to think about how Jesus as our light illuminates the way. And all of these points really are all overlapping each other. The blessing of light in our life. Third point, Jesus as our light illuminates the way. 
And maybe today you need to hear that. Maybe it feels as if certain areas, in certain areas of your life, the light has gone off. And you need Jesus to illuminate your way. He will. He will. He will illuminate your way. And you'll not struggle to see which way to go. You'll have light on it. Cast over every step. You know, I remember chatting to a lady with my mom, actually, on one occasion. And in the course of this conversation that we were having with this lady, we asked her if she would like a Bible. And when we did that, I remember how the features on that lady's face suddenly changed. And it really brought the conversation to a sudden end. She angrily replied, what do I need a Bible for? The Bible? The Bible can't offer me anything. And then she began to pour out from her heart, from her innermost being, all of the hurt and all of the pain and all of the tragedies of her life. As we listened to her, she began to say to us, you don't know what I've gone through. And we weren't trying to annoy her. We wanted to help her. We really did. She said, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what people have done to me. I will never forgive them. I've been hurt. I've been let down. I've been betrayed. And I will never forgive those people for doing what they did to me. Little did that lady know that, that day, on that day that the Bible that we were offering her would have illuminated her way out of all of the pain that she was in. Maybe not instantaneously, but gradually light would have shone, light would have dawned, light would have broke through that pain and healed that woman's heart. But, and this is what I noticed, but the light of her life, now get this if you can, the light of her life was to harbor anger. The light of her life was to hold resentment and unforgiveness and live in bitterness. And that is the light that she lived according to. But what she thought, you see, this is what she didn't realize. What she thought as light to live her life was in fact great and gross darkness that bound her. And I don't say that condemningly. I don't say that in any way, in a, in a, in a condescending way. This woman was suffering. This woman, like Isaiah said, in Isaiah chapter 9, she was walking in darkness thinking that she had light. She didn't have light at all. She was groping around in darkness, bumping into this issue, bumping into that issue. And the default of her life, which she thought was light, was resentment, bitterness, and pain. Listen to how Jesus puts this in Matthew chapter 6 verse 23. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Isn't that a strange thing? Where Jesus here now is revealing that the light that people think they have can actually be darkness in relation to how they see, in relation to their perspective and the way that they live, and the very light that they hold to, that they live by, is deep darkness. The lady that we spoke to that night, that we offered the Word of God to, was living in her own light, dealing with life her way, that she thought best. 
but it wasn't working because she was bound to a past that she could never set her, herself free from and it was actually great darkness. In John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus said this, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in darkness. That's what you've done. You've put your trust in Jesus. You've put your faith in Jesus. And now, as a result of simply believing, simply believing Jesus to be your Savior and your Messiah, you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of His light. You no longer remain in darkness. Jesus has led you out of that and illuminated your way. Let me read to you Psalm 119, verse 105. Again, such a wonderful verse that we all know. David says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus, uh, David, just like Jesus, is telling us, Hey, life is dark. Life is dark. It really is. We can't get through this life on our own. We can try. But the light that we think we have really is darkness. And we don't have the capacity to deal with the issues that come our way in life. That's why we need the light of life, Jesus. And He's available and He's ready to take every one of us up to follow Him so that we can walk in light and not darkness. David says, His Word is a lamp unto my feet. Every single decision that I've got to make that I'm unsure of, do you know what? There's light for it. I can take this step confidently because the light of God's Word has cast its light over my path and I'm confident to make this choice and this decision and go in this way. And it illuminates all the way down into our future too. It's a light of hope over our path. And then, Finally, as a fourth point, I want to say that Jesus as our light makes the unseen seen. Jesus as our light makes the unseen seen. We're nearly at a close, coming to a close now. I'm going to ask Patrick just to come and play and the musicians just to come and be ready. We're going to sing before we, we go home. But just think about this for a moment. Jesus as our light makes the unseen seen. I read a story recently about a young girl who spoke to a pastor and said to a pastor, Pastor, I can't take it anymore. I can't handle working in the factory that I'm working in anymore. I'm going to hand in my resignation because all I'm having is people speaking against me all I'm having is their anger and their taunts and their jibes. I'm going to resign. I can't take the pressure anymore. Well, as the pastor listened to the young lady who was a young Christian, he responded by asking her, Jane, where is a light most needed? Where is a light most needed? That was the probing question that the pastor asked this young lady that day. Where is it most needed? The young lady responded, what's that got to do with it? She was upset. And she didn't understand about Jesus being the light of her life at that time because she was just a young, new Christian. What's that got to do with it? Where is the light most needed? The pastor gently smiled and asked again, come on, where is the light most needed? Well, I suppose, said the young lady as she thought about it, in a dark place, that's where you need a light. That's right, the pastor said. 
You need a light in a dark place. And that's why you are where you are. To be a light, Jane, a light of hope in your office, a light of hope in that factory, a light of hope amidst people who are walking in darkness. And suddenly, the light came on in this young lady, this new Christian, for the first time as she immediately realized the opportunity that was hers. Now, for the first time, she realized that she could be light and the only light in a very dark place. And as she realized that, she didn't want to let God down or a light go out. She said to her pastor with new excitement, I'm going to go back to my workplace. I'm going to go back to that dark factory because now I realize that I am the only light. And even if they taunt me, even if they persecute me, even if they say unkind things about me, that's okay because I realize that I am the light and they're in darkness and they need to see the light of Christ's life through me. She got it. She went back and just remained there as a light. And before long, she'd won nine Nine other ladies in that factory to Christ Jesus. Amen? You see, you might. It's wonderful. Why does that encourage us this morning? Well, you might be the only light in your office like that young Christian, Jane. You could be the only light in your school, in your classroom. And you can see every, all of the students and all of your classmates going the wrong way. And you're just a light there. You've, you've, you've said all you can say. You can't say any more. And they have not accepted what you've said about Jesus. You've said all you can say. You've done all you can do. And now the greatest opportunity has come for you just to be a light. You don't have to say anymore. Just be a light. Remain where you are. You could be the only light in your home. And that could feel challenging and difficult to you because you've, you've, you've been there as a light faithfully standing in your home for the Lord, shining your light for years and the light hasn't yet dawned on loved ones. Do you know, I believe it was, uh, I, I am going to close now in a minute, but I know this is going to encourage somebody. Faye's, Faye's grandmother, Audrey, prayed for her husband, Ron, for how many years was it, Karen? 20, 30 years. Probably 30-ish years. She prayed for her husband. Do you know, in all of those 30 years, Ron was a great man. A, 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 a family man, a, a man that loved his, his children, a man that... that that, that, that love people, a hard-working man, a good man, but he didn't know Jesus. And Audrey, his wife, her heart ached for her husband. She just wanted him to come into the light. She prayed for 30 years, for 30 years. Nothing happened. And you can only tell somebody so many times before they get fed up. So, Audrey shared the gospel with him, and at certain times she continued, but it didn't become a, a, a point of contention. You've just got to leave people and be patient. You can't keep hammering home the point. No, they know. The time comes where you've just got to be the light. And do you know what? Audrey just was the light in that situation, and just before Audrey went on to be with Jesus... Ron, one day, came home, and, he's, and, and just matter-of-factly, it came out. We often talk about it. Matter-of-factly, it just came out of his heart. Well, Audrey, I gave my life to Jesus today. Down the church we've been going to in Penarth. I mean, she, 
it's great, isn't it? I mean, it's the most natural, normal thing in the world to him because he's come into the light. His wife is just thinking, my God, what's just happened? I've been praying for 30 years, and you've just come home and told me it's going to happen. You, there's, there's, there's many people here that have been faithful in situations. God has, seen ev- God has seen it. God has heard every word. God has, God has seen how you've been faithful and you've prayed and just been that light stationed in their lives. He's going to honor your prayer. He is. He's going to honor your prayer and you're going to see what you prayed for. Final scripture. Guys, if you want to come up. Hallelujah. We're going to sing and rejoice just before we go. Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. Again, another wonderful portion of Scripture we know. Jesus said this, You are the light of the world. He passes it to us now. John 8, He declares that He is the light of the world. Now He passes it over to His church. And He says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. That's what we are. A light where we are in every situation that we're in to dispel the darkness that's around us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word to us. Lord, we, I thank you for every single person here in this place. They are precious to you. They have been bought with your blood. Lord, we thank you that as our light, you dispel our darkness. As our light, you transform our reality, the reality of our lives. As our light, Lord, you illuminate our way. And as our light, you make the unseen seen as we display your life through the way we live in the world in which we walk. We thank you for that. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, Lord, that your word to them would be light and life. And as we follow you, we would truly understand that we have the light of life. We thank you for it. And all God's people said, Amen. Come-